0: Welcome to the June Jump. I'm your host Mitchell Wolf and I'm here as always with my forever co-host James Burns. Hey James, how's it going? Yeah, great. How are you? I'm I'm excited. I'm exhausted. I'm excited. I'm a, I'm pretty sweaty. Um I just have been uh like a low level of sweaty constantly the whole day. It's been great. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so I'm in I'm in Los Angeles right now. E3. It's happening. It's actually happening. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, years happen. Time goes by. You expect, okay, everything's going to eventually happen. But for some reason, it's still surprising every time E3 comes along. <laughs> it's. It seems like it should still be a month out, maybe. Yeah, you know what? I think one of the reasons it feels weird is because...
1: And we kind of, this is something that happens a little bit every year, but I think it's been bigger this year. Is, you know, we've talked about the leaks coming out earlier and earlier, and not only the right, leaks, yeah. but even the actual announcements coming out, like before the press conferences themselves. So it feels like there's this buildup that is now sort of lasting for a good few weeks before the actual event.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, th- there was no reason. For uh, Rage 2 to be announced. For Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee to be announced. But all these things were announced. And uh, I they, they got them out of the way. Sony's actually been announcing one game or thing per day. Every day. Uh, until their actual press conference. Which I think is... I mean, if if that isn't confidence, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, just burning all their potential <laughs> announcements every day before the conference. Yeah. Uh, and, and now we're here. We're actually one conference in. So um, I didn't get to watch this live. Uh, did you? No, no, I didn't.
1: I, um, through the magic and power of the internet, I I watched it um, today. So I should give context to everybody when I say Today. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're in LA, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and um, the EA press conference took place, I think, at about four or five a.m. Melbourne time. Um, so this is the okay. only yeah. this is the only presentation that I'm watching after the fact. All of the other presentations this week happen. They sort of start from about six a.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Time. Um so that means I'll be able to watch all of the others live and and kind of be there with with the audience watching them at the same time.
0: Yeah, I um for different reasons I also didn't get to to see it live. Um I at, at about that time I was driving from my my town uh Ventura to LA which to people who are not native to Southern California is pretty close. It's about an hour away. Yeah. Um To to pick up my friend and current roommate and current audience of this podcast, actually, Heil Russell. He's just over there. Hey, Heil. Hey, hyle He's eating a vegan corn dog with gray poupon. He's just. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that, but he's eating (laughs) a vegan corn dog with gray poupon.
1: I actually heard the microwave alarm go off before we started recording and it (laughs) sounded like it sounded like a truck was backing up behind you so (laughs) i'm like are we doing this from a car park come on
0: (laughs) uh going going through lax is often stressful and (laughs) it was a little bit this time but i don't think it was too bad actually what we had a really hard time with was getting into our airbnb um James, this was an adventure, an (laughs) adventure that took place in exactly one geographical point. Um, First, we weren't just—we were straight up not able to get into the building, Um, and then we had to. They—they gave us a code to open up a lockbox to get a key to enter the building, and then once we were in the building, it's like a full apartment building with a bunch of different um, rooms. And we had no idea which number the ours was, so because they didn't give it to us. So we spent an hour basically trying to figure out the lockbox. Um, none of them worked with the code they were given. But then we tried a different way, and then eventually one did. Uh, and then we spent about another half hour to maybe 45 minutes trying to figure out, using the little context clues we had, which room is ours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it sounds like you played a real-life version of Resident
1: Evil. All you were missing was, like, a <laughs> statue with a red gem in the eye that you had to replace with, like, a paperweight. You were, all you were like, 90% of the way to a Resident
0: Evil puzzle. James, it it was like that. The way we found out which room was ours, because our, our contact, our Airbnb, like, person, did not answer the phone um, the whole time, right. which... Yeah, which was really, really fun and stress-free. Yeah. We found out which room ours was because we eventually found out that the number was carved into one of the keys that we had. (laughs) I'm
1: so glad that sentence didn't end with the number was carved into a body in the stairwell. Like, sorry, I'm going off on the Resident Evil tangent. But look... (laughs) The main thing is you're you're safe and sound now. That's good. You've actually got somewhere to sleep.
0: Um, that's a plus. Yeah. Maybe it could have been more Silent Hill than Resident Evil and we we woke up from a drug-induced nap and we found the number carved into our <laughs> arm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's basically how it felt. I'm sure Heil was watching me get more and more stressed out and agitated the whole day. And my <laughs> hair was just expanding because that's apparently something <laughs> that happens when I get anxious about things. Which I didn't even know until today, but it was it was worth it to find out. Anyway, that's E3. That's basically what E3 is. Um, all the while, EA was having a press conference. Yeah. Um, so... Normally, I think people would do this at the end, but I want to do it right here up front at the beginning. What would you rate this press conference? Um, maybe out of 10.
1: Uh, it's really tough because there wasn't... Um, in terms of like volume of stuff announced, it wasn't really massive, but no, there were a couple of things announced that really impressed me. So... I would say... I reckon maybe a 7 out of 10. A 7 out of 10?
0: Okay. Mm, yeah. that's, I think that's fairly charitable.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's being slightly optimistic. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I am giving it extra weight because of a couple of titles. A couple of key titles that
0: really looked wonderful that I'm really eager to play. I think I know exactly which ones those are. Um, yeah. I would... I, I agree those looked really great and they really brought up the whole the whole show I would still probably give it a five though um yeah yeah Let, let's go um, let's go point by point I suppose we, we can talk about the first thing that happened which was battlefield 5 coverage yeah. um, this was totally expected not out of left field whatsoever in fact EA did the most cliche possible thing. A mere six minutes into the start of this press conference, which is the start of E3. Six minutes into E3, EA announced that Battlefield Five had a Battle Royale mode. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, um, I was waiting to see... Well, when that happened, I was trying to detect any audience reaction. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it was like... Uh, what would you call it? It was like muted excitement, I guess um there were clearly some people in the audience that were overjoyed by it like maybe some hardcore battlefield fans when i watched Um, that
0: segment i i thought for the life of me like it seemed very clear that they were being sarcastic but then they showed it and it was real and it wasn't it wasn't sarcastic at all they actually (laughs) did that thing that everyone was making fun of them before they even did it um yeah, yeah,
1: I I don't know how I feel about this because on the one hand it's it's easy to be cynical about it and sort of say well you know everybody's jumping on that bandwagon, EA out of anyone is like the most bad bandwagon jumpy people in the world maybe, absolutely um, yeah, but on the other hand, you know as I was saying in our um, in our super jump Discord chat like Battlefield One uh, was I thought was absolutely incredible Uh, and it really had incredible multiplayer and I don't tend to play first person shooters in PvP very often Um, Battlefield 5 looks like, for the most part it looks like an extension of kind of the gameplay systems and ideas in Battlefield 1 with it looks like they're leaning more heavily into kind of the individual story elements which we're going to find out about tomorrow apparently at the xbox briefing uh we're going to find out a little bit more about that oh is that real yeah yeah i think so just to Uh, just
0: to restate so heil can hear me right now (laughs) um apparently they are going to spend extra time tomorrow at the microsoft briefing on battlefield 4 the game that was already talked about extensively during ea's press conference today they're going to be talking Yay. about... He's very excited. Yeah, it sounds
1: like <laughs> it. They're going to be talking about something called this Nordley's war story. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, which, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's, on the one hand, I'm, I'm not all that excited. But on the other hand, Battlefield tends to be very good. And the, the sorts of things that they really briefly glossed over... In the presentation today, actually look interesting. So, you know, for example, the way that they're extending the destructible environments, um, the way that you can move the large pieces of artillery around, and you can now have uh, cooperation between, you know, for example, a tank driver and an artillery gunner. Um, it it looks like it's probably going to be pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. But they were obviously very light on detail, so we haven't yet had like an in-depth kind of gameplay um, demo or anything like that. So I- I'm keen to see how different it is and how much it leans into the whole like the battle royale on the one side and the more in-depth story stuff on the other side.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what to think about this game because everything you're saying is correct uh, this Battlefield is in, in terms of construction I'll say in, in terms of like objective quality it is a pretty well made military shooter, it might be at the top of the list of those um, it's, which it's, that's just never been something I've been completely interested in, but I, I do respect it for what it is, I, I do uh, understand that a lot of people are, are big fans of it this doesn't look like it's going to shake anything up in a big way besides the Battle Royale mode. Um, but I really like Battle Royale modes. I, You know, I'm actually that group of person that is a sucker for this kind of thing. I, I never play first-person shooters competitively, but when I do, it's been Fortnite or PUBG within the last year. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not... I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, James. It it's not like this has shown me any, what I think. What I think they needed, what I think was the icing on top that they just didn't quite have, was in Fortnite. Can you do this? Or you know, like like they needed to have something, just a little extra, a little extra oomph that put it solidly above PUBG or Fortnite. I didn't yeah. think it quite had that. I think that's kind
1: of the irony to this whole
0: Battlefield 5 thing as well,
1: because we've known about this for so long. It feels like we've known about it for so long. It almost feels like we've bloody played it already and finished yeah, it. Yeah. You know, like it's been so overexposed, and yet um, we, we actually don't know very much about it. And even what they showed today was they were just really glossing over the surface and talking about everything in kind of a very vague sense. So it, I, I still feel like there's a lot to be kind of uncovered about this. So that's the main thing that makes me hesitant. I, I still really, on the one hand, I feel like I know it really well, and on the other hand, I don't really know anything about
0: it. <laughs> so it's it's weird. Whenever I'm in one of those pos- uh, positions, I, I'm I'm nervous that despite feeling like i don't know anything about it i actually know everything about it and it yeah, just yeah. seems more mysterious than it is <laughs> at the same time I, I think there could totally be some surprises in this series uh, there could also not be i don't know it's <laughs> it is what it is for the most part I, I i think that battlefield fans will enjoy it very much um battle royale fans that for some reason just hate fortnite will probably like this um yeah, I I think that it's it's uh, telling that they went on battle royale now, right after Call of Duty announced they're also doing that. Yeah, I I feel like the 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 people
1: that have the most to worry about from a developer standpoint are the the PUBG developers because we know that PUBG is sort of losing ground to Fortnite, but. Fortnite at least you could argue Fortnite is sort of not really a direct competitor to PUBG they're quite different experiences whereas I think um something like battle royale battle royale in battlefield um has the potential to be a much more direct threat because you know to PUBG, PUBG to to PUBG because okay. you know PUBG yeah. is more about without being too controversial, you know. It's it's simpler than Fortnite. It doesn't have the construction aspect. It's it's more about kind of the um the kind of direct unvarnished shooting mechanics and and you know yeah, being good it's, at it's shooting. it's very much and a descendant and, of
0: the twitch control 1990s like Quake and early Doom and stuff rather than r- rather than the more modernized thing that Fortnite seems to be modernized in every sense, not only just, like, control-wise and and feel-wise, but in addition, like, it's got crafting, and it's got recipes for things, and I guess in a vague sense it has recipes for things. Um, I... Yeah, you're right. This this is exactly what PUBG thinks that it is, so I'm excited for there to be a stir up there. I kind of feel like Fortnite has already beaten PUBG in a lot of ways, but PUBG is still going strong. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, for the people who, who want to play a shooter where, for example, they have to think about something like Bullet Drop, you know that which is just one mechanic in Battlefield, uh, and I think it's also in PUBG, it, it's kind of one of those core mechanics. Um, and, and the more you know about it and the better you are with managing Bullet Drop, the better you are in theory as a a competitor. Um, Right, right. This is one of those mechanics that Battlefield's been doing for ages in multiplayer, and they're very, very skilled with that kind of more tactical side of first-person shooter genre. So um, the combination of that and like the more destructible environments, the vehicles, I mean, presumably they'll have aircraft and that sort of stuff... They they're in the position where they might leapfrog PUBG because PUBG is starting to introduce some more of those things around you know new maps and vehicles and that sort of stuff. So there's a real risk that all these other developers just come in you know with heaps of money and skill and talent and they just kind of trample all over PUBG. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll. I think I'll feel kind of bad about that. PUBG has always, to me, felt like, like an indie darling gone big, and I like that that yeah. can still happen. Um, yeah, it, there's a simplicity to it that I really enjoy. Um, yeah, Battlefield. Yeah, I guess that's just Battlefield. I think the thing that you really need to keep in mind for Battlefield that I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is mm-hmm. that. Um, Activision does not have an EA press conference or E3 press conference. They they uh, they don't like the show. They don't like E3. They don't participate to a large degree, right? Mm. So Call of Duty is probably going to show up to during Sony's press conference. Um, they've been beaten to the jump, right? If Black Ops Four doesn't have like a special thing to talk about, besides the fact. That it has a battle royale mode, they lost, I feel, um because Battlefield Five has a story mode, and Black Ops four has said like publicly, we actually don't have a story mode because we have a battle royale mode. um if Battlefield yeah, Five yeah. has both, that's just that's just a a straight trounce that's just clearly better for battlefield five yeah
1: it'll, and it'll just be interesting to see if there are any people that kind of move between those camps like my uh, i haven't played a call of duty game for years but my general impression is that battlefield and call of duty are like coke and pepsi like you know yeah you have yeah. you you have your religion <laughs> and that's it <laughs> so you know we'll see what happens <laughs>
0: yeah um so i know how the show ends i don't exactly remember the order everything happens in between battlefield and the end of the show what comes next do you remember so
1: the next one uh the next presentation was fifa 19 which i am i'm going to openly admit right at the beginning that the announcements for fifa nba and madden i largely skipped um Okay. The fair only enough. yeah, I, I really wasn't interested. The only thing I noted about FIFA, and I'm not sure if this is true with the other two EA Sports titles, is that straight off the bat they mentioned Switch as being a platform they would release uh, release alongside PS4 and Xbox One. Um, so that that's just interesting that for those properties, they're they're factoring in Switch right at the beginning now. Well.
0: So okay, here's the thing with FIFA, and you might have skipped over this. I'm I'm not, I'm, but I also might be off base here because I kind of skipped through the whole mm-hmm. thing. I, I just yeah. I skimmed it. I did the video equivalent of skimming. Um, yeah. The the FIFA thing is not a new game. It's an expansion. Mm. For FIFA eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's World Cup fifa 18 like that it's all about the world cup as the expansion um this is something that's been talked about in in sports video games for i f- it feels like since the advent of dlc ever since the first dlc in like the xbox 360 era i feel mm. like people have been talking about well no, because all the sports games are just are the same you can just put in dlc um athletes and rosters so you don't need to actually make new games from scratch every year. And yeah. despite that ability, that hasn't happened. I guess until now. Now they're doing that? It. I can't tell if it's, like, actually forever, though. You know? I, I can't tell if next year they're just going to abandon it and get a new FIFA um Well, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, it kind of leads into... I don't know if you watched this part of it at all, but I found it interesting. Um, So right after FIFA, the chief executive of EA came out on stage and talked a bit about um, EA Origin Premier, which is their their new or expanded um, uh, subscription service to... To play EA games and part of that announcement was basically um, EA were basically talking about the idea that they're really leaning much much more heavily into the concept of streaming games Mm -hmm. and they sort of said look you know nothing is ready to be released at the moment we're still working on the technology but apparently um, on the show floor they are going to be demoing a number of EA games being streamed to a multitude of devices. And in the video, they showed, like, everything. I mean, you can almost stream to your Tamagotchi if you want to, you know, like, it's, <laughs> it's like, insane. So I just found that, that they didn't go into much depth about it. They, they just basically said that's kind of where they see games going in general. And yeah, I found okay. that interesting because, you know, we had just recently... Talked about the whole idea of, um, you know, will we get to a stage where we're effectively no longer buying individual games, but everything is either a subscription or we're streaming it or it's a, everything is just season passes that keep updating and there's no like discrete releases that you can buy and own anymore. Um, I'm sure that that transition will still take a few years, but. This was one of the strongest nods to that that I've seen from kind of a senior industry executive. Um, Yeah. And 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 I thought that was
0: interesting. It it seems... I mean, to me, it seems so out of left field. Capcom obviously thinks the same because they are streaming um, Resident Evil 7 to Switch and probably any big game that they can't actually down to Switch they'll, they will stream from now on that seems like their strategy and now EA is interested in it too it, it's weird that they see it as the new frontier because it seems like all of the consumer market whenever I, I hear it being talked about on the internet in any way it's entirely negative it's entirely something that we don't want to happen also we don't see the technology there yet like yeah yeah we haven't felt that it's available to us yet it it doesn't quite pass like any frame rate test um any lag test Th- this is this is interesting because c- from capcom i kind of understood it from a from a japanese angle mm. because everything in japan is very close together you don't have to worry about those problems as much uh the internet's just better in japan and here it's that's clearly not the case um so i i thought okay well capcom will do it they're J- japanese ea is not japanese
1: yeah i mean i think um i think there's the difference between like the long term goal they have and then how do you get there um right yeah yeah, yeah. the fact you know the fact that they're investing in it so heavily i think what it's really going to come down to ultimately is there's going to have to be that one one or two products that they offer that actually works and it, and are actually good. You know what I mean. Like, so I think you're right. Like, there's a lot of skepticism around it, and that skepticism's really well founded. Um, there are very few places in the world that really have the reliability and speed with the internet to make it viable, especially for really modern games. Um, but there's so many companies working on it now that um, uh, it'll just be interesting to see when they actually plan to start offering these products and what the experience is like, because it has
0: to be good, right? Like, if, it if does. you're it playing has a to game be that's better, it has to be it, better yeah, than the alternative.
1: It, that's right. Like, it has to be really convenient. It has to be really fast and smooth. If you're in a situation where you're you're getting really heavy frame drops, or you're getting even worse, you're losing access to the game. That you've just subscribed to, you right. know, you're paying for something you can't access. Like, that's just going to go down in flames, and and they must know that. So, um, uh, but they really put a big emphasis on it. Um, even though it was a brief part of the presentation, it was something they specifically called out, and it's technology they're demoing. So, um, I, mean, I don't know exactly what do, the tech
0: is, but until you can do 1080 60 with a consistency of like less than one frame drop per minute probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, it has it, to be it'll not never noticeable. it'll never be better. It yeah. will never be better until you can do that. Yeah. And they clearly can't. So, like if they if they could do that, they've solved so many much bigger issues than just streaming gaming. They they've unlocked some serious unforeseen technological advancements. Mm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I'm not sure. I, I don't know much about the technology that they're trying to leverage. They they did talk about um, that they'd purchased a company. I think it's a European company. I don't remember their name that's working on this. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what the tech is. Like, you know, do they have a buffering solution or do they, I, I don't know how they're doing it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just interested to see what, they actually do and, and is it going to work? Cause I, I feel the same. Like I'm a little bit, it, it doesn't seem like something that anyone is ready for yet. Um, but they also didn't say how far away it is. They just said they're working on it. So,
0: okay. So there's, there's a number of smaller games in the middle and updates. So I, I think the next one was an update to star Wars battlefront two. Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this annoyed me so much. <laughs> the way they <laughs> talked about this is crazy to me. The way they they said um, we've been hearing a lot of requests for more stages and characters from a fan favorite era in the Star Wars timeline, and then they start talking about the Clone Wars, which is like, okay, <laughs> that, is that a fan favorite era? And then they said, fan-favorite characters like General Grievous. And then I was like, what are you talking about? What are you saying to me right now? That's ridiculous. No one likes General Grievous. People actively Uh, dislike General Grievous.
1: Come on, Mitchell, where have you been? (laughs) I, look, I don't know. I, I really... I was... I think I was watching that segment just with one eyebrow raised the whole time. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, they must be getting this data from somewhere, right? Like they, they, they wouldn't be that stupid. They've got to have, they've got to have some basis for this, but I'm thinking where exactly are they getting the data from? Yeah. Just a little bit strange. And I'm fully prepared to admit that maybe my intuitions do not match the actual majority of people out there like that's very possible but yeah yeah if i'm wrong i'm wrong
0: i just don't think i'm wrong i think people hate general (laughs) grievous
1: yeah they're not even neutral
0: they just don't like him (laughs) yeah when they said the clone wars i thought at first they were talking about the uh the era (laughs) that the cartoon the clone wars covered (laughs) which i would have been more into because i i dislike that less Um, I I would have been interested in characters like Ahsoka Tano, uh, uh, Anakin's apprentice. That would have been kind of interesting. But instead they they talk about Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi as a youth, which um, I was pretty sure they already had in the game, but I guess they didn't.
1: Well, (laughs) I just remember um, as they were listing the characters off, General Grievous actually got some applause, but then the next character was Count Dooku. Oh, yeah. The theater theater just went totally quiet. Like, I'm sure I heard someone cough in the back row, and then they quickly moved on to the next one. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if there was someone from EA taking notes, like, okay, you know, need to pivot on that one.
0: That's interesting to me, too, because I... I would have assumed, you know, Christopher Lee is dead now. Um, he's more beloved, probably, than he's ever been. Um, I thought they would like Count Dooku more. I guess they don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words. I don't care about Battlefront anymore. <laughs> they lost me. Uh, next was. <laughs> next was Unravel 2. Okay, Unravel 2 came out. It's out right now for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. That's crazy. For EA, that, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, crazily awesome. That is, it is very awesome. Um, so, Unravel One was EA's first venture into their uh, EA original program, where they scout out and fund various indie projects that uh, look like they they are not going to get the funding they need, and EA actually doesn't make a project uh, profit from them. They take profit from the uh the proceeds of the the sales of the game until they break even and then they just stop taking money i guess hmm so i maybe they're doing it for shifty tax reasons or maybe they're just doing it to bolster their uh public perception either way i'm I'm a huge fan um if anyone can do that, I guess it's e a
1: yeah, and I mean you never know when. I guess you, you never know where the next big um, franchise will come from that that is totally surprising, you know what I mean? So there's an element probably of kind of digging around and trying to see if they can find some gold that will really explode. Um, I, I actually never played the original Unravel um, despite the fact that it looks gorgeous. But... Watching the trailer for the second one, I immediately thought I need to go and play it. Um, it just did looks you? awesome. Yeah. Well, did you play it? No, no, I haven't. No, because I've only, oh, okay. only just watched it not too long before this recording. But um, Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I, I just... I love the way that they've done the co-op. Um, I, I love the way that, you know, you can uh you can play as a you can play single player you, you always have the two characters with you and you can um one character can pick up the other character and kind of carry them around so that they're not trailing behind it looks like some of the segments are a little bit more kind of action platformer heavy which is nice um But playing it with two players just looks amazing. Like you're actually your two characters are characters are actually made of the same yarn or they're connected by this piece of yarn. So you actually have this whole system of, you know, for example, uh, one character grabbing onto the end of the yarn while the other character swings them across a gap. Um, In the in the gameplay demo, they showed how they were kind of taking turns distracting an enemy so that the other player could run by um it it just looks really really cool. It's really refreshing.
0: Yeah, it does look cool. Um there there are very few ways to um actually surprise anymore. Right? There yeah. there aren't too many ways to pull one over on the fans, especially if you're a big company like EA or Capcom or Ubisoft. Your stuff will get leaked. Um yeah. So What you can't leak as well are are just these particulars about the announcement that can still be pretty amazing. Like the fact that it's just, it's a full game. It's a full co op, very, very, very charming um, game. It's just out. It's just out now. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. That's beautiful. I love it. And uh, this game was actually announced very quietly two years ago, apparently. Mm. yeah when ea did the first ea original with unravel and it went well they either absorbed or partnered with or something i don't exactly know with coldwood who is the developer of that (laughs) game and they they just said uh their their first game with that partnership would be unravel 2 so I guess it was already known about which is a pretty good deterrent for leaks, like why would anyone leak something when it's already public information right? Mm, yeah that's true yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that means because it's an EA game it can't be an EA, a, uh, an EA original so this isn't that actually Yeah, there was an EA original though that was Sea of Solitude yes this trailer looked great and I still don't really know exactly what's going on in this game but I really want to play it.
1: Yeah um, <clears throat> it's made by a, by a develop developer called Yomei Studios that come out of Berlin and uh, I didn't catch the name of the the presenter from Yome but i I really love what she said about it she she talked about the idea that... It's not a made-up story, even though it takes place in a fantastic setting. Um, Yeah. And it's about a young woman named Kay. Um, Her loneliness is so strong that she becomes a monster. Um, And the game's really about finding out why this happened and how to turn her back into a human being. Um, It it looks like, in the trailer, there are all kinds of different characters, maybe enemies... That kind of almost look like silhouettes with red eyes. That's what the protagonist looks like as well, and I got the impression from the presentation that the that all of this, all of these things that are manifesting in the world are kind of extensions of the main character's emotions. Um, you know, mm-hmm. being unbalanced, and I just thought that was really lovely. I thought that there was something really heartfelt about. The premise of the game um and the fact that it seems to stem from these direct personal experiences that the creators have had
0: it's the least ea game i could possibly think of
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) um even with their other ea originals like with a way out that is a very fun action movie basically and unravel was you know it's cute um this is just a highly personal sensitive emotional game and Mm. uh i'm so glad they went ahead and and funded this um again this also was apparently announced a year ago but it was just by a very very small developer at the time they didn't have the backing to kind of get their name out there but there there is really old videos on youtube of people playing this game apparently um so that's interesting Mm. um it also means that there was only one actual announcement today for EA which was yeah. the mobile game <laughs> Command and Conquer Rivals yes um have you played any command and conquer games i
1: i loved the old command and conquer games like um i'm just trying to think my favorite one that i played the most was probably red alert back in the day um and i i when they first kind of went into 3D i think the first 3D one was command and conquer generals that was pretty good as well um but i i was a little bit this kind of left me a little bit heartbroken because um i would dearly love to see a new command and conquer game but it's that whole thing where a company announces a brand new game like, you know, hey, we're introducing this new Zelda game and it's on mobile. And you yeah. kind of like, <laughs> you're excited and then you like get deflated really quickly. And that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, like this this may end up being a great mobile game. I don't know. I I watched a little bit of the, the gameplay that they showed today. And, you know, it looks okay. It looks like a mobile game. Um, I know I'm being dismissive, but my big... My big fear with it, and I don't know if they went into any detail on this, my big fear is just any of these kind of mobile war RTS type games always have horrible, horrible monetization models. You know, you're it is always free to paying for power. Is it, yeah, is, it's yeah, free it to is play, confirmed. but is it, so are they, are you, you going to pay for, like, does it have any in game transactions?
0: I don't know um i was i almost convinced myself because they 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 put up a pre sign up thing for android phones and i have one of those to um to sign up ahead of time for like an early access kind of thing and i almost convinced myself to do that but then i got really bored of the idea of thinking about it and i didn't do it uh so And you
1: you got on with life basically
0: i went on with life yeah i i think at yeah. that point i had an angry orchard and i took a little nap <laughs> instead <laughs> of that yeah um, fair enough yeah um yeah yeah i don't care i don't care about that game <laughs> next yeah, was was that it except for the last game except for anthem
1: yeah, so the only other stuff was just the, the other EA Sports stuff, and then Anthem right. was the, the big piece at the end. Yeah.
0: So I, I think Anthem had a big job to do, and I'm, I'm not sure, I, I'm not pro or against the idea that they did that job, which is just to sell us on it. We know what the division is, we know what destiny is. This is like that. Why is it better or different? And they, they really played up the idea of these mechs um, as an interesting gameplay device. And I don't know. I, I can see myself getting kind of into it. It's a very beautiful game. Yeah, it, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's an interesting point. Like I feel like for me, the the, the two things that really stood out, well, I'm gonna three things that made me that that stood out that made me interested were number one that it's a Casey Hudson game, um, which gives me some degree of confidence that that he came back and uh, is focused on this project, um, and I think what they're doing with the fusion of single player and multiplayer and the way they see that breaking down is quite interesting. Um, and it is... it it On the surface, it sounds subtly different from what other games are doing. Uh, I think in practice, it could end up feeling quite different. Um, you know, there's this sort of clear division between... Uh, when you're kind of in your base, which I think is called Fort Tarsus, you're essentially having a fully single-player experience. You know, where you're turning in rewards, you're talking to characters, you're kind of experiencing the impact of your actions, you're the story's right. progressing, that sort of thing. And then the minute you go outside into the broader world, you're in you're in a shared world that the way they described it was that it's not as though all the players are experiencing totally different instances of this world. You know, they're all experiencing the same world at the same time. So Everybody jumps into onto this planet and you know it's it's the same time of day, the same weather and all the rest of it for all the players. Um I don't know if they said how many players can join a, a particular instance of the world. Um it seems so, like four, but that sounds so low, so I don't know. Well, I, I assume that's for your your team or your squad. But they, they oh, gave oh, the impression. That, okay. Yeah, like they were sort of giving the impression that you would see lots of other people kind of doing their own thing out in the world. Um, and they talked a little bit about, you know, kind of world events and, you know, the whole idea that they can, they want to give this game longevity by kind of constantly expanding it and changing it. Yeah. Um, just having a look at my notes to see if there's anything else that they because a lot of the things they talked about were still a little bit surface level i thought yeah um, they,
0: they went into some story details um which i think they yeah. thought they were finally giving up like the big this is the story but it yeah. definitely seemed still very vague
1: yeah they they talked about this idea of um, a world being left unfinished by the gods, so the gods have abandoned the world, um, and left behind their massive tools. I'm not sure if these are actually the big, kind of hulking enemies that you see at certain points in the trailer. Yeah, and they talked about these tools being in constant conflict with something called the Anthem of Creation, um, which. It seems like it doubles as a place and a weapon. I'm, I'm not
0: entirely sure about that.
1: Yeah, it um, seems
0: like such an odd tactic to go so high level in, like, the lore of your... <coughs> Excuse me. So high level in the lore of your game to explain what the plot of your game is. Um, Like, that's so esoteric.
1: Yeah. Um, and they... Even when they showed the gameplay demo, it, well, like it was interesting because it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I thought they would have someone sitting there, like playing kind of a moment to moment segment of the game and really explaining everything. But it was a little bit more trailery than that, and it was sort of cutting between um, different aspects of gameplay in more the style of a trailer rather than an actual (coughs) um, sitting here playing it and this is what's happening in each moment, which is kind of what I was hoping to see just to get a better feel for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the one thing that... And and I guess this is something that more and more studios are going to explicitly say from now on. They did make it clear that there will be in-game purchases for cosmetic and vanity items... There won't be any loot boxes and no ability to pay for gameplay advantage,
0: um, right? Yes. You know, and they
1: just they talked about the transactions being transparent. So in other words, you know, you you know what you're going to be paying for. Um, and I think it's good they said that because a lot of people, especially with the whole Battlefront thing, a lot of people were really worried that we were going to get this big, beautiful Bioware kind of action RPG that would be spoiled by kind of a a really money-grubbing loot box type mechanic somewhere so i think it is
0: good that they explicitly ruled that out yeah you're probably right there um that it that makes sense i yeah i don't know i i wish i i had more thoughts on anthem i just kind of don't yeah i i wish i had more to think about i wish there was more given to us um because yeah. if if this is like their big push this is the e3 before the game's release although it is in in uh, february so there, there's some time it's just not yeah, that that's much right. it's it's not a whole lot
1: yeah it feels like it's not a lot more than we've seen before except that it's a slightly expanded view of of what we saw really at last year's e3 um Maybe I don't know if they have specific plans for this, but maybe during the show there will be more kind of in-depth stuff coming out about it. Um, That's definitely something I'll be looking out for.
0: Yeah. The the thing with Anthem is that it looks amazing and it sounds amazing. And I think the gameplay could actually be pretty um, reliably interesting. Mm. And the story of the game sounds kind of cool so i don't know what they could have done i don't know what they could have done more than they did to actually make me interested in this game i don't know why i'm not i but i i've I've seen this sentiment kind of all over the place so i don't think i'm alone here yeah are they just that bad at marketing their own games (laughs) i don't know i mean it's
1: also the fact that this is a brand new franchise, so it's not like we have any historical connection to characters or world or anything. Um, so yeah. I think it's going to take some time for them to kind of introduce us to that world for the very first time. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, it could all turn out to be not that interesting, but it does come from a good team uh, who who are pretty, who do kind of pretty reliably produce good content um so i i'm hopeful about it i i just think maybe it'll take some time to understand it and to warm to it
0: that would be nice uh i i really want to i really want to appreciate a bioware project again uh it's been a little bit of time since the last one of those that i think hit the mark but yeah um that's that's where we are with ea um i Why do you think they go first every year? I don't know. Um, They apparently insist on it.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what that's about. I'm just trying to think of what the advantage is. I mean, maybe the only advantage is for that 24 hours, that first 24 hours or whatever, they can pretty much completely dominate the news cycle coming out of e3 whereas
0: i mean that's true this will be the only super jump podcast ever that is mostly about ea yeah that's that's right so
1: in a sense we're kind of demonstrating why they do it at this time because i mean even tomorrow you know like and i know we're coming to this but we'll have the xbox showcase and bethesda and even though I know there's going to be a lot of coverage about that and and hopefully there'll be some really cool stuff. But the minute you get into tomorrow, these companies are starting to share the limelight with each other and they are starting to kind of fight for oxygen. Um, So in that sense, EA is probably smart to go earlier and, you know, take up all that space while they can.
0: Maybe they should just go like Blizzard does and have their own thing not during E3. Well, I'm starting to
1: wonder if over time more companies will do that. I mean, there's been a debate for years about the actual value of E3 and whether or not it even makes sense for companies to put on these big, expensive showcases that ultimately are just kind of, um, you know, competing
0: in a very loud room with lots of other voices. Well, I think that's a really good optimistic note to end the podcast, but before we do (laughs) um, really quick I suppose because we kind of ate up more time than I thought we would Um, Microsoft, Bethesda and Devolver are tomorrow let's just do each of us say one thing we are looking forward to or predict or would like to not see I suppose from any of the three of those or from all we'll each do one for each uh starting with microsoft i really would like to see an old rare ip come back in some form yeah i think it's been enough time the last one of those was in was five years ago with killer instinct Mm -hmm. um one more one more again i'd like to see one more again yeah how about you for microsoft Um,
1: I think I just want to see something genuinely surprising. (laughs) So yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) You know, like we might get, we might get a new gears of war or halo. And, uh, at that, at the moment that really doesn't interest me at all, unless they show something radically different and bold, about those franchises um well halo will have a uh, battle royale mode Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) can you tell how excited i am about that um so i mean other than that i just really want to see a surprise i want to see especially a surprise around something exclusive that's really going to take advantage of the xbox one x in particular that's really going to justify that machine um, with, with something brand new. Um, and in terms of the the stuff we know about, I'm I'm most excited to hear more about the new uh, Ari and the Will of the Wisps game. Because I love oh, the yeah. original. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So,
0: I, I want to see that too. Yeah. kind of forgot about yeah. that one. I'm really keen to find out more about that. So next is Bethesda.
1: You got anything? Um, look, the main thing is, again, other than any surprises, um, I just am really eager to find out more about Rage 2 and Fallout 76. I want to know what Fallout 76 actually is. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping we get a good, more kind of in-depth gameplay demo of that game. Um, and I think Rage 2 looks amazing from the trailer. Like, it, it's right up my alley So, same thing. I just want to see what that moment-to-moment gameplay is like and kind of what they're going for with that. Um,
0: uh, As long as I get that, I'll be pretty happy, I think. So, the last Bethesda Softworks RPG with that core team in development was Fallout 4 three years ago, four years ago, three years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's time... I think. I don't think Elder Scrolls 6 will be announced. I think Bethesda likes to uh, release their games much, much closer to announcement than that. I would like to see. I think a much more real expectation is Starfield finally existing. That'll be my my wish. Um, You know, John's Space Cat Starfield. He loves Space Lasagna. Uh, That is. (laughs) That could potentially be the most exciting Bethesda RPG to me, anyway, based on the things I'm into. Um, yeah. And it could potentially be Bethesda. I mean, depending on how they play it, it could potentially be Bethesda's first game that isn't rated M, like in a really long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Which is fine. I mean, it, 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 that's the the brand they've grown, but it, it it does seem strange that like they don't even differentiate from that a little bit um Mm. ever yeah last is devolver i have no idea i don't even know yeah me too um (laughs) last year was crazy uh, their their attempt at a press conference they announced no games and um i think they they tore a woman's arm off uh it was great (laughs) but i yeah I don't know they said they're gonna announce games this time which is so funny that they had to clarify Um, yeah yeah
1: hey everybody it's not a waste of time come along and watch our show Um, yeah
0: it will be crazy it will probably be pretty gross just like last year but there might be a game i don't know um the switch version of minute i feel like i'm aiming low but (laughs) (laughs) i i don't have any I, I'm in a pool with nothing to grab around me. I'm sinking.
1: Yeah, I'm already at the bottom of the ocean, Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And I don't even really know what I would be looking forward to. But again, I mean, I know I say this with every one of these, but it, although it's great to get updates on games you know about, one of the most awesome things about NEE3 and one of the most memorable things is the massive surprises... You know, something that comes totally out of left field that you weren't expecting—that's not just someone's arm being chopped off. So yeah, that—that's yeah. something I'm always hopeful for. And who knows? I mean, they—they they might maybe deliver that. We'll see. <laughs> they might. Who yeah.
0: knows? Who knows? <laughs> okay. Well, we'll try to do one of these tomorrow, depending on both of our availabilities. Um, with us talking about those three press conferences we just outlined and maybe giving a little prediction of the stuff on Monday, which is Ubisoft Sony limited run, actually, which is cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, um I think it's those three. Is are there anything else on Monday? I think it's just that. Oh, PC gaming show maybe. Um if that's yeah. if that's worth talking about. Yeah, there might be something there might be something good there. There might hard to tell with them um so yeah we'll see you tomorrow thank you so much for joining us on the June Jump